Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David and my pronouns are he and him. I'm James and my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Alistair and my pronouns are also he and him. And we watched a bad film. Oh boy, did we? That is yeah. underselling it. This is... That is really underselling it. I mean, just, I did not just... know it was. I did not know it was possible for a Daily Mail newspaper to just spring fully formed into into the flesh. Mm. I, I, I genuinely like hated and despised this movie to a degree I did yes. not think I I would before I started watching it. This is by far like the worst shit we've watched for this pod because it's like it's not fun. It's just it. Ah, yeah. I'm gonna do yeah, so it's, many. It's even worse than ha- the Has Fallen, like fucking yes. franchise. Yeah, 100%, yeah. Like, but They Has Fallen has, like, dare I use this term, it's got some redeeming artistic value in it, however slight. Uh, this this thing we watched is genuinely, it, it's like, it's anti-art is the only way I know how to describe it. it it's genuinely soul-destroying. Well, the distinction between this film and the Has Fallen series is that the Has Fallen series is actually a redemption arc on bad action cinema because the third one has a good bit in it, um, Nick Nolte, which is, yes. as we as we all agreed, incredible. Listen to the bonus. It's fantastic stuff. This, however, has, <laughs> as, uh, as the others have said, very little to no artistic merit, which I think was actually one of the reviews that uh, it got at the, <laughs> back in the day. It was, it was indeed. Um, the Times fucking called it out, and then the Sunday Times did it even dirtier and basically said this film should not exist. Not in a kind of, oh, it's a miracle that they managed to get it together, it's lightning in a bottle, but just in a, this is anti-cinema, this is anti-art, this is anti-human, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> I the, think the, the, Guard, the, the Guardian, on the other hand, gave it three stars and said it rem- it was a mix between what was it? I think it was definitely Ken Loach and Guy Ritchie. I think that was. And, and then, <laughs> oh, that's the most yes. Guardian fucking sentence I've ever heard. Like Jesus, fuck. I mean, Christ. you know, it doesn't surprise me that the Guardian doesn't understand Ken Loach, Frank. Yeah, but the thing that the thing that Ken Loach films are missing is a bunch of fucking geezers. <laughs> so. Have we have we titillated them enough? Yeah, I think the um, I think the the best thing about this film is that with the um, like with the talent on display in the cast, you could have actually made something good. Oh Christ! Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it's got like it's got a really good cast and like fucking it's just it's just yes. shit from end Some, to end. Something like a prelude to the Has Fallen series on that <laughs> front, really. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's definitely a film of its time. <laughs> so, that we yeah. watched is called. Harry Brown, the most and English film nice. that ever existed. Yes. Harry Brown, that sounds like a nice old lad who just lives down the road and, you know, he plays golf on, you know, uh, on the weekends and, like, you know, um, can be seen outside the pub having a pint. So Harry Brown, nice upstanding English name. It's the, right? um, it's the British remake of Jackie Brown. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's also nominative determinism because this is among the brownest films I've ever seen. Just like in oh, terms God, of the yes. color palette, it's so brown. It's just Christ Almighty. Yeah. It's exactly like they had all the re- stuff to, to do a Gales of War film, and then you know, the budget <laughs> get pulled, and they went, "Oh fuck it, just shit something out." It's uh, to revisit an old bit. It is very Zack Snyder's Kez. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yep. I think the thing the thing that's great about this film is released in two thousand and nine, which, as we said, is like a a film of its era, and that era is just the like the peak aftershock of uh, Blair's premiership, to my mind. Like, there's just this could not have been produced in another country at any other time. It just it yeah. is so distinctly. Blairite neoliberal in its outlook on like the entirety of society, it's just just it defies explanation to some degree. Yeah, and it also like is very much a product of the, the film industry at its time too, and some very unique factors. And like spoilers, Harry Brown is a vigilante, right? He's played by Michael Caine, and what you need to understand is at this time, Michael Caine is balls deep in doing Batman Begins and then The Dark Knight um, Rises, and this film pretty much feels like Michael Caine was like, 
I should be the vigilante superhero. I want to do a film where I'm the vigilante superhero. I could fucking do this. And it has resulted in him taking this script. And the only way I know how to describe this is it's basically the equivalent of Master Bruce, why do we fall down? Well, it's so that we can kill and murder the underclass thuggish proles with impunity and no remorse. It's very much the vibe I get from this film. And I will say that, like, in return for making me watch this, Jamie, we are going to be talking about so much fucking finance horseshit, I'm going to make you scream. <laughs> <laughs> I'll point out again, this was my idea. <laughs> I'll be I'll be honest, Rob, I'm not sure you've got the right end of the stick on what Dom actually is, but I'm here for it. <laughs> this film is if um, David Blunkett rewrote Commando. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, do you know what? So I looked up like who uh, wrote and directed this fucking thing, and uh, it's written by a man called Gary Young, and I was like, Gary Young wrote this? And I was like, no, different <laughs> Gary Young. <laughs> Who's written, like, he's written, like, a graphic novel or something, and uh, some other films I've literally never heard of, which is incredible. Yeah, the uh, director's yeah. done, like, one other thing or something as well. Yeah. He's done three things. He did the, the Tonto Woman, which I'd never heard of, and doesn't even have a Wikipedia article. And then he did Harry Brown in 2009. And then strangely, there's a five-year gap where he doesn't do anything. And then he did one called The Keeping Room, which is a very fucking brown-looking western, frankly. Um, and came to came to Netflix. So, which it, and it got mixed reviews. So, I like, mean, I'm I'm sure the politics of that are exemplary. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um. What you need to know about the director, by the way, and this is this is something I think feeds into this film, is that he studied graphic design at St. Martin's School of Art, and that is clearly reflected in, as Rob said, the visual composition of this film, which is best described as the shit scene from uh, Trainspotting <laughs> writ large over the entire colour palette. Well, have you finally it's started very, to watch that again? very grim. Um, I'm working on it. Working on it. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this film's just a fucking weird out and in, into the mind of someone who really fucking hates British society. Yeah, and specifically like, yeah. poor people and, and, and council estates. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I absolutely views it through this, like, full-on new Labourist kind of anti-ideal of what poverty looks like. It's fucking... Oh... It's it's visceral as well. Like it is a viscerally disgusting and over the top film. I mean, from, from the, from the yeah, opening like, scene as well. Set me it's off, as but it's just as the movie. <laughs> as well, the movie is a pretty fucking good way to describe it. To be totally honest, like if it if it has an ideology at the core of it, it's that I tell you what, Asbos don't go far enough. You should string them all up. Yeah. It's basically this mm-hmm. film. Yeah, it it's very it's very it's very uh, in line with Norris McWhorter's politics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring back hanging the matinee. <laughs> yeah, so anyway the <clears throat> the film starts with some kids doing a, a gang induction by forcing someone to smoke crack in an underpass. And then yeah. they give him a gun and they go out like on a fucking dirt bike through the estate. And they like just are riding around firing the gun at a, a woman pushing a pram, just presumably just to scare her because when they accidentally like like fucking blow her head off, they they seem quite distressed by it. And then as they flee the scene, they get hit by a truck. And no, I, none of none it, of this has any relevance to the rest of the fucking film. <laughs> yes. No, it does. Like, it has a lot of relevance because it uh it's the it's the thing that uh, is on the um radio when uh, Harry Kane Harry Kane. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine I mean, wakes up. I I I have it's it not actually authority. It's not sorry. It's not actually the first thing. It's the second story. The oh, very yeah. first story because I had to turn the volume way up to hear this, but it's all there in words that you can hear. The first story on the radio is about very specifically a Labour MP who is being jailed for fraud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I did catch that too. Although there is one thing that is quasi relevant because it sort of sets up the whole like disgusting attitude the film has is the opening yeah. shot. So the the shit of the 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 crack smoking in the alley and the other thing, the the woman getting shot, is all shot on like shitty smartphones, like two thousand nine yeah. era smartphones, and it's all like oh, it, it's, clearly the it's whole entirely. Scenes... 
it's entirely just to establish like the the theme of the film, which is that like, do you know, what I mean? kids on council estates are feral animals. Oh and fuck we should, yeah, like, yeah! We should be dealing with instead of like dealing with them with like yeah. like law and order, mm. we should just hire snipers. Kids you know? be doing yeah, happy yeah. slapping on the Nokia engage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. But but in terms of plot, like none of the people involved in the fucking opening like scene appear again. Yeah, I mean the the, the fact they get hit by uh, like so they they're on their uh, like dirt bike or whatever, and they ride off after having shot this poor woman, and they get like so, uh, t-boned by uh, like a big big van type thing, and it's just like okay. That that completely gratuitously at that point, like yeah. that didn't even need well, to not, be. Not, why not why did that need to be in there? Not gratuitously, because for the Daily Mail reading shitbags who made this movie, that's the point. The point is they did a bad thing, therefore they deserve to die. Yeah, that and that is yeah, very much a recurring theme, actually. Now that you mention it, like the the yeah, feeling yeah. of yeah, this should be happening to these people that are on screen right now, like it's in the yeah. It's, it's very much. Band. It is a thesis statement of the ideology of the film. In microcosm, which is, you know, young youths are not being appropriately disciplined, they are getting into trouble with drugs, are being encouraged by gangs to do bad things, taking them out on good, decent people, and then they are meeting their comeuppance because of it. And it's like, it's almost setting up the idea that Harry Brown and the things he does are like the natural and good consequence of all the things that the people are doing in the in the story and in the plot, if you will, it's almost establishing the, the framing that, look, if not by Harry Brown, it would be like a truck or something taking him out. And I think it's actually there to kind of give that kind of psychological license for the rest of the nastiness of the film, frankly, in a quite relatively delicate way. Hmm. Unfortunately, the film's like absolutely shit, so it doesn't land at all, but hmm. sure. Well, I mean, yeah, the, it's the just whole... vibes, though. Yeah, well, well, the vibes it's trying to set up, like, the entirety of the start of the film was just trying to set up in every way possible. Look how shit the young people are. Look how horrible yeah. the young people are. Look mm-hmm. how fucking feral they all are. And then it shows you like the shithole council estate they all live in. You're like, I wonder why they might be fucking feral. But you're not supposed to actually no, ask that live... question. I think you'll find out, David, they live on a shithole council estate because they're all feral. That's oh. the way it works. Yeah, they, make, the it, happens, they, right? they make the noble council estate generously provided by the welfare state into a bad place because they themselves are bad people. I, I see. I don't even think it gets that far because it doesn't even like. If it was trying to make that point, it would show you like when when Harry Brown first moved in, and it was like, such a lovely place to live, and now it's shit. Whereas th- this just depicts it as fucking shit, as if it's some sort of like natural constant. Yeah. Thing. This is not. This is not a film about causes. This is a film about consequences. Yes. Oh yeah. Come to it in that reaction. Oh Christ! Kind of yeah. Way, there's, it makes there's perfect there's sense. Nowhere in any of this movie is there any like sort of even slightly larger sociological question of like yeah but why did everything go to shit here what happened here like none of that it's just ever allowed to be examined but no it's it's just all assumed do you know what i mean like it, mm-hmm. it's very much a film made with like the assumption that no one's ever going to look at it who doesn't share the politics of the writer and director you know what i mean like <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. just a fact of life that like kids are fucking feral and violent and it's just a fact of life that council stays to shit and it's just a fact of life that the police are ineffectual do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like... just like what what they're basically posing in this film is the idea of this, this kind of epistemological, like fundamental, like knowable evil that exists in the heart of people and it has to be disciplined out of them. Which is a very like this is this is like the ur conservative trait essentially that the ordinary people, everyone who's born into the world is born as a feral monster, and without the right discipline, they're going to grow up and become monsters. And that's the basis of this kind of film. And what establishes early on is like this evil is there and the government is being neglectful because they're too busy, I don't know, uh, doing fraud, maybe, David, I guess. I'm assuming that's um, what that slipped to, in there for, yeah. To actually to actually do something about it. And so the the subtext of this film is basically spare the rod and spoil the child. I mean, is that and is that is that subtext? It, feel, it feels like that's pretty much well, just the text. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't quite explicitly just lay it out that directly. But I mean, you again, say that, but like not... um, the the main the main bad guy Leon, who like we'll get onto who he is later. But like it's like his dad is described by um, one of the you know ineffectual police officers as like a cunt as much as his son is, and it's like yeah. So that's I mean yeah. yeah I suppose it's, it's like it's... surface level sort of veneer over it. 
But yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's about it's about consequences, not causes, right? Yeah. So this film more cares about the consequences of them all being like evil than it does about well, you know, the the, the actual causes that made them this way. This is not a film that will show you the child and their conditions and how they became bad. Really, what it will just give you is like snapshots, cause-free snapshots of like, look, here's a child getting inducted, and immediately they start shooting someone up. Versus the drug dealers you meet later on, which are basically almost like demonic in their portrayal. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the worst fucking drug dealers to ever have existed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were really determined we'll, not to sell we'll get, any fucking we'll, drugs. We'll get to them, like, do you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah, like, so the, the, the fucking, the opening, like, gang induction slash happy slapping slash road traffic accident uh, goes by and then fucking Alfie wakes up hearing about it and the, the government's fucking, like, ineffectualness on the radio. Makes himself the worst toast I've ever seen. <laughs> right? fucking sets off to visit his sets off to visit his dying wife in the hospital, um, which take it's which like is implied to take longer than it should because he can't go through Chekhov's underpass. <laughs> oh, no, this is this is uh, this is not implied. It's straight up shown. He goes to go through an underpass to get the other side of the road, and he doesn't go because the youths are down there. Yeah, he looks wistfully, and... wistfully at the uh, at the underpass. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you hear essentially like demonic music, like thumping through the speakers, and it's clear, like you know, this is not a place of honor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Harry Brown yeah. is just a man who doesn't like to walk. I mean, yeah. whom amongst us? Mm. So anyway, he gets he gets to the hospital. His wife's like nearly dead, and he sort of like sits there for a bit. And the nurse tells him she had a difficult night. And then he's in the pub with, uh, and then his mate comes in, who's like that fucking gadget from Game of Thrones. It's, uh, he's Lord Border Frey. He's he's the guy with the ten thousand sons. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Anyway, that hairy guy from Game of Thrones turns up, and they they sit playing chess, and they witness Eli Dingle from Emmerdale doing a drug deal at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> in in what what I can only assume is one of the quietest pubs in the Greater London area. Because <laughs> there's literally I mean, them look, two and the drug dealer at the bar. Look, Jamie, you don't want that many witnesses when you're dealing doing like the world's most overt drug deal at the bar of the. Pub. Well, that's 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 part of the plot, though, isn't it? Because like fucking like um the old gadji says like you know they're not even trying to hide it; they're just selling drugs at the bar and all and also. Like, you know what I mean? I hope you're listening to this, Harry, because it'll be important later. That guy also sells guns. You know what I mean? Also, and, you can tell you can tell that they're drug dealers because uh, he's extraordinarily filthy. Yeah. 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 And like but he, he also he also mentions the guy sells the guy sells guns, drugs, and underage girls. Yes. Yeah. And then later on, when he's complaining when he's listening to all the like things the kids have fucking like said and done to him. It's the the one moment the film is shy about something is he says like oh they call me well you know what they say because it's like you know apparently like a not like not it's a, a bridge too far for this old man to say they called me a nonce Harry do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> They're trolling me on Twitter, Harry. <laughs> but my my thought my thought was how does that guy know that this like that the fucking bloke at the bar sells underage girls exactly do you know what i mean maybe the kids are, maybe the kids are right to call him a nonce it's a pub, like... pub gate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was just a big comet logo above the pub door um no like i can sort of here's the thing <laughs> little saint, give him a tiny l- little saint coaching horses <laughs> oh jesus christ um i'll give him a tiny little bit of credit Actually, the, the the pub being the way it is makes sense in the story of the film, which we'll get to later. And him knowing that this neo duel is into selling like all sorts of different things, that's the sort of shit you'll hear spreading rumours on an estate, which are actually relatively quite close to the knit communities a lot of the time. So I can sort of buy all of this. So far, you know, apart from the fact that the drug dealer, as Alistair said, is like a fucking avatar of Nurgle, come to sell guns and underage girls, right? Um, yeah, like, like if, you, if you're selling drugs, you don't know how to iron a shirt. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, if you if you excise the opening fucking, um, you know, rampage uh, ending in, uh, like, T-Bone and just c- started with this scene, the only thing that would immediately be like, all right, we're well beyond the pale at this point is the, the, the characterization of a drug dealer, but all the surrounding kind of stuff, it's like, okay, fine, there's some world-building going on here that matters later for the plot of the film. Fine, let's crank it out and get it out of the way, director. Which he does. 
yeah. in the most workmanlike way possible. <laughs> he also he also makes sure to let Harry know that the barman, who like Harry quite likes, isn't who he thinks he is. Which, uh, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's he's Chekhov's barman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, then it's also more Game of Thrones characters. It's essentially what if yeah, the Liam, Liam Cunningham did drugs. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, I'm not gonna. Here's the thing: apart from Michael Caine, who didn't have to do this, right? Is <laughs> with short trip. I'm not gonna give anyone else in the film shit about this because it's a paycheck at the end of the day, right? And it's a pretty grim paycheck, but it's I a mean, paycheck. And you know, say, that as if, say that as if Michael Caine has standards. Do you know what I mean? Michael Caine was in like Jaws, Jaws Six or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it, I do, someone, I, if I, someone I, phoned Michael Caine and goes like, "Oh, do you want to come up? Do you want to come up like, to a fucking film and spend a couple of weeks playing Michael Caine? We'll give you ten grand." He's like, yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think like part of it though is, I mean, he was on the Dark Knight bucks at this point, so like he was he was experiencing a renaissance in his career. He didn't have to do this. I think this was a choice. I think he was like, yeah, I'll be a vigilante. I can do that shit. I think, I, I really strongly believe that. I think the Dark Knight films are responsible in a bizarre way for us getting this film. Uh, I think I'll he would die on this turn up, turn up to the opening of an envelope if there was a check involved for him. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kane. <laughs> I nearly said Harry Kane again. God damn. <laughs> uh, Michael Kane, come on the pod. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll pay. We'll pay you one Prince Andrew commemorative plate. Uh, no, we will have to pry it out of that saying here. <laughs> yeah. So then he goes home and he's at home at night and he hears like car, a car window being put through by by hooligans mm-hmm. and he just sort of like stares out the window and passively watches as like they break into this car and the neighbor come like his neighbor comes out to yell at them and gets like curb stomped. Mm. And then the the, the neighbor's wife yeah. comes out and like cries over his like body, yelling for help. And Harry Grounds just stood there at the window. Like, also, you know I, I, mean? I, just... I I I cannot I cannot emphasize enough like how much this like the vandalism of the car is just it's indistinguishable from if anybody on this estate who's doing it was a literal demon. Like yeah, uh, yeah. They just they just break the car window and the guy comes out and then they just like all pile on him and like kick him to fuck. And mm. then you get like you get a nice reverse shot from the scene of like the the beaten to Harry Brown's window, where you can hear like the the car alarm and the wife screaming and everything in like like HD as you as you stare at Michael Caine like looking vaguely fucking bored watching Car Alarm ASMR. I I think you mean emoting as hard as he can, Jamie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then he um he gets woken up in the middle of the night by a phone call. And you see him like head like hurrying off to the hospital, where he's he's faced with like Chekhov's underpass for a second time, and <laughs> bottles it again, and so he arrives at the hospital too late, and they've already like fucking do you know what I mean? They've already done the autopsy on his wife. I think by the time they get there's like no trace of her left, yeah. <laughs> removed all of her worldly possessions. He was in such a hurry that he didn't phone a fucking taxi. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's. He stands there. He stands there crying while the like the extra behind him playing a doctor just sort of like vaguely like strokes their chin. I don't yeah. know what emotion they were trying <laughs> yeah. to like, convey in that scene. But... Also wondering where his wife has gone. <laughs> just like, do you know what I mean? Just like standing there, like, wow, is that Michael Caine? Do you know what I mean? Like, it was... I think, I think, uh, I think a part of it is like, it, I think I can see how that came about as well because they'll have done the whole. Okay, so he's going to be comforted by the doctor. It's like, no, he cannot have comfort. He can show emotion because his wife has died and that's acceptable, but he can't be comforted. He's a man, and it's important to build that he's a man for later, and that his suffering is alone for later, sort of thing, you know? You, you, can't, you can't have the bureaucracy of the state which is causing this decline in any way, shape, or form, showing, like, human emotion and, like, you know, compassion and care to, like, the people who are caught up in its machinations. It would cut against the ideology of the film. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So then, anyway, we cut we cut to the graveyard where he's putting flowers on his wife's grave and his daughter's grave. Um, yeah. And then, the, like, This, I think, is the touch of genius of the film, actually. Just that little extra. It didn't have to be there. You could tell the film without this, but you've got to show, no, he had a child, but they lost him due to tragedy. 
Well, and that's have, they, important. That that's that's there just so that you know he isn't he isn't completely asexual because when he like in, in the next <laughs> scene when he describes how he met his wife, it's like the most sexless like thing yeah. you've ever heard in your life. Oh, <laughs> finally, a film that is ready to put Harry uh, Harry Harry, Harry Kane. <laughs> in fact, the Harry Kane fucks on the big screen. Now, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, um, so he's in he's in the graveyard and like fucking uh, like the the guy from Game of Thrones turns up. I, I keep calling him the guy from Game. There aren't like nine people from Game of Thrones in this fucking film. Only three. I mean? One of the guys from Game of Thrones. Yeah, the first guy from Game of Thrones to appear on screen. <laughs> That's not even true either, is it? Because it is Liam Cunningham that shows up first, I think. But yeah. anyway, the, his the, mate the turns onion, up. The onion drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, his mate turns up, and then they go to the pub, and uh, he tells the story of how he met his wife when he was in the Marines in Northern Ireland. Oh yeah, and that was very it. subtle. It's like, yeah, I just enjoyed fucking up people in Ulster. Like, all right, cool, you're a cool guy, Harry. Which, if you're a fucking Daily Mail reading scumbag, that is exactly what you fucking think. Like, oh yeah, Royal Marines, Ulster, yeah, fuck you, fuck you, Republicans. Yeah, yeah. like that. That that is, you know, they might as well have said Harry Bloody Sunday. Brand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, that yeah. is very much something that you're like. Was, I was thinking of later on in the film. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get we'll get to it yeah. later on, like. But um, yeah. So he's like telling the story of how he was at, he was at like a, a a fucking Marine Corps dance or some shit, and he saw like <laughs> this big Scottish fella he knows dancing with this girl, and their eyes met, and they just sort of like liked each other's eyes. So he cut <laughs> in, and then like they lived happily ever after until she died in the hospital because he was too slow. You know what I mean? <laughs> he wouldn't he wouldn't run through the underpass in case the kids like fucking. Like jeered at him or something. He probably just wouldn't take so, a taxi because they were coloured or something like. <laughs> <laughs> I think the implication is meant to be right. Again, let's look at the world building of this. I think the implication is meant to be he's clearly a hero who served in you know Northern Ireland <laughs> right as a Royal Marine. Yep, right, hero shit. But, there, yep. Yeah, exactly. But he is fucking poor. And this is injustice in and of itself, isn't it? This is a hero's reward. This modern society is in. Like that's the narrative they're kind of spinning. I think it's meant to be you can't afford a taxi. Yeah, short of it. But you can afford paints. So anyway, the uh, the uh, the Dracula hunter from the strain, like fucking asking if he ever. <laughs> <laughs> he asks him if he's ever if he ever killed anyone. And he gets like pissy about like oh you can't ask me that and then the other, and the other guy's like oh no I'm sorry and then he they go to the bogs and he shows them the the bayonet he got from his dad <laughs> that he's going to use to like like slash up all those kids. This knife is like is that what like what it's, like, it's like, like fifty centimeters long? It's fucking huge. It's like the sword out of Braveheart. Like it's a fucking two hander. Like <laughs> yeah, it well it 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 is it is like a fucking it's a bayonet in it. So you know what I mean? It's, yeah. But he, he shows him this, and he like, uh, and Harry's like, "Oh, you should go to the police." And he's like, "We'll go, we'll go together." And he's like, "No, I've been to the police. The police are fucking like, police are a bunch of mugs. Do you know what I mean? They've never helped anyone. They're too effeminate or whatever." <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> we uh, we cut to like fucking the the guy like asleep in his armchair as like fucking burning dog shit is like pushed through his letterbox or something, and he. He wakes up and he goes and like stamps out the fire and yells out of like out his front door about bastards for a bit, and then the police turn up at Harry Brown's the next morning to like tell him that his mate's been dead, that he'd been killed. And the police, you have like fucking Detective Sergeant Prick and <laughs> yeah. de- Detective in- Detective Inspector the sadness in her eyes. In the first scene. In the first scene that they're in, I assumed that I was like, well, okay, she's telling this kindly old man that like his mate's dead and now he's got no friends left because his wife just died. Yeah, okay, I can see why you would play that as a bit like close to tears, maybe. But then she's just like that for the rest of the film. Like, doesn't matter what's happening or what like what's occurring, she just looks like she's on the the verge of a breakdown. If you want to, moment, you know, if you like, want to get the vibe of this, imagine um, Lisa and Andy pulling out of a leadership contest. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. I, t- I tell you what, though, like her character was what I what, what I found is probably one of the most unbelievable. When mm-hmm. when she like uh, she because uh, after they uh, tell tell Harry that his mates died um, mm. as they're leaving, um, what's it? DS prick. Con- DS prick. Yeah, is, is saying, uh, "Oh, what are you what are you doing out here, Mom? If you don't mind me asking, give yeah, me you don't you don't have to do the fucking." 
Yeah, the deathograms, that's the word he uses, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's then like, she's oh, like, send, oh, how dare you send... say deathogramming? Yeah, we could send uniform to like tell that old codger his fucking like nonce mate's been shagged, like shagging the underpass or whatever. And she like she kicks off that she'll have him reprimanded if he ever disrespects our brave lads ever again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's fucking. It's incredible. Lay it on, it's laying just... it on so fucking thick. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. no surprise that she later on, by the way, becomes one of the lead characters in the newsroom of Aaron Sorkin. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Yeah, so the the world's the world's least least effective police like fuck off, and they um they go and arrest Plan B, who is um, <laughs> I think. Oh <laughs> uh, what? No, sorry, nothing. Just continue. Uh, I just made the connection. That was him. I know. Yeah, I, that... I literally just made that connection as to who that was because I was watching this with such disdain. I was just like, I'm not remembering faces. Oh fuck! Uh, I thought I thought maybe you thought I was doing that bit again. No. Like, I was like, no, that is actually planned. No, no. Yeah, right. So they go to the um the, the police go around and arrest Professor Green. He's like fucking the uh, the mastermind of like youth crime on the estate. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only, uh, the only, so the only... As, by the way, by the way, sorry. Can I jump in and just point out that this is my favorite bit? He's called Noel Winters. Which is some amazing yeah. writing for a character named Franklin. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit much like. But yeah, so they, they turn up. They, they're like braying the door down, but his mom's like too busy, like fucking, like passed out on the couch to fucking answer it quickly. And they're like, you know, the the sergeant's like yelling up the stairs that it's like fucking DS, like wankshaft. You better get down here. And <laughs> he just sort of swaggers down the stairs, like, what's all the fucking noise? Do you know what I mean? Um, I think yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's plant. I think it's Plan B's first like acting role, and like he, he genuinely like very fucking convincing as an absolute cunt. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, will, I will say that much about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The thing, like, the thing I like most about his performance was the way he said Hickok in the uh, in the interview. Yeah, like <laughs> I genuinely think a lot of the actors got what the film was meant to be and just shrugged and went, "All right." And like, really went for it. And this guy's an example of it. It's not terrible acting. No, it, like, sad it's, it's like, you know what I mean? I think he's, he's genuine, like, genuinely convincing as the fucking character he's trying to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they went, like, you went on from this to do the fucking the Sweeney remake, which was fucking <laughs> absolute toilet like. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Um, but no, I mean, like, they, they arrest him and they arrest, like, the other lads from the underpass. <laughs> and we have like a protracted fucking like scene from like what what if like um what it, if I Quentin mean, Tarantino directed the bill where they're all in an interview room and like the I mean, fucking you, and the... you say protracted but it just it goes fucking on and on and it's just like they yeah. involve like four guys and they each get like two scenes or something in which they all just say the same thing over and over and over and over again and it's just yeah and it's just like fucking it, believably it's, insufferable it's it's like it's just incredibly bleak because like you get like uh like fucking noel winters threatening to like rape the fucking policewoman yeah and like then and you get like you know the uh the fucking other guy like where the the, the police are like noising up that one lad for being abused when he was young yeah yeah which, which is a very which mm. is a very police thing to do i will mm. say that like do you yeah, know yeah. what i mean this is, it is actually of, uh, thinking about it that is one of the few parts of the entire film where they allude to like causes and yeah. that's kind of it they don't really go any further with it they don't investigate what that means just that it is a thing that happened in this guy's past yeah and then so they like the interviews rattle on but they have to let them all go because they got a solicitor from like fucking Noel's uncle and like the solicitor <laughs> told them to say no comment and the police are powerless in the face of that <laughs> um, and so they let them all go and then, uh, like fucking, the police turn up at Harry's to ask if, like, he gave. Well, not 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 all of them. It's just it's just detective like fucking detective like crying time, isn't it? She turns up to, <laughs> to ask if Harry Harry gave his mate the bayonet, and Harry like fucking bollocks her because like like the police are shit and haven't done anything to like sort out the the criminals. And she says, "Well, now you see now like the fucking." The uh, defense attorney will say that it was self-defense, rather than like and get them off, get them on manslaughter instead of murder, and like you know what I mean. And I think that's that's meant to be the point where Harry decides to take things into his own hands. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Harry Harry very much at this point decides, you know, that uh, you know, never trust the police, trust only your own fists. I mean that that's yeah. the... <laughs> I mean that's that's one thing I feel like the film does somewhat portray accurately is that the, the cops not there to help you. Yeah, but it portrays <laughs> it portrays it as the police aren't there to help you because they're out of touch rather than because they just don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's also yeah, very much so. the police. Are, the police aren't meant to help you because of a bureaucracy. It's the law is making this a problem, right? Like it's we'll get them on manslaughter because we've got a, yeah. like a case we can make in defence, etc. Et if you just let the police not kill the ju- them in the streets, everything yeah. would be fine. If they, if they just fucking if they got rid of tears in her eyes and replaced them with Judge Dread, <laughs> then everything would be fine. <laughs> yeah. So Harry goes. Harry goes around to like fucking let the nonce guys burnt out flat <laughs> and picks. Picks up a photograph of him and his wife, where it looked to me like the guy had like an orange mohawk. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sh- like I, I had to pause it and like and, and like stare at. It. I'm like, no, that definitely looks like he's got like an. Do you know what I mean? Like an orange, like fucking strip of hair down the middle of his head. I don't know what the fuck that was meant to be. But um, I think it's meant to. I think it's meant to show that. Again, going back to stuff I was talking about earlier, it's like, oh, you know, everyone's got that bit of wildness in them, but if they're raised right. Then you know it finds it's productive, and it's like you know, being punk was okay back think... in the oh, day. This wasn't, I know, it was this wasn't, like that. This it was wasn't a photo. It was just a shit. Photo. It's like a photo of yeah. It's like him and him and his like his wife at like age seventy or something. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and is it? it? Yeah. I did not fucking catch that. And it just I'll looks honest, like right. he's got like a, a like a strip of orange fucking like like. Do you know what I mean? Like he's part muppet or something. Oh, can't believe you just God figured out a way to make this film so much better. This this just this the entire film this... Michael Caine is still Michael Caine, but everyone else is a Muppet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this was in his earlier career turn as Beaker. It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but it turns out like his his mate's like uh, his mate's nonce flat conveniently <laughs> overlooks the overpass so he can like stand there at the window and make notes on all the comings yeah. and goings of, of like the youths. Also, um, they the, the youths like destroyed this flat and like burned it out because that's what yeah. the youths do. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. it's full of it's full of graffiti. Yeah, but um, but first, of course, he needs to get tooled up, so he follows Eli Dingle home from the pub so that he can buy a gun <laughs> from him and his mate, who is the uh, the geologist from Prometheus. Yes. <laughs> so he, he turns up at he turns up at their door saying he wants to do some business, and they let him in and. Uh, they, they, the both of those actors deserve to be in a much better fucking film than this. Is all I mean, I've got to yeah, this go. fucking scene, quite frankly, was yeah. one of them not yeah. a fucking Mission but, Impossible. Yeah. By the way, did, was, did you know that the the uh, the guy with all like uh, the sh- who has his shirt off the entire time, this uh, entire scene, this guy's shirtless, so you can see all of his like scars, scars and like general and, yeah. filthiness. Apparently, his name, which I didn't catch while the film was actually, like, I was actually watching the film. Uh-huh. I only when I looked it up on Wikipedia. His name is Stretch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stretch any stretch Kenny and, and Kenneth. Stretch. Yeah. 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 I know the other guy's name's Kenneth. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's. I think. I think his name's Kenny, but like Stretch exclusively refers to him as Kenneth. <laughs> yeah. As like as some sort of like bit of characterization there. Do you know what I mean? But um. But yeah. I I, I think it's it's like uh like th- those two are just chewing the fuck out of like any available piece of scenery do you know what i mean yeah it's like it's like yeah two two guys that studied at the pac-man school of acting do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) well they they, they basically get them in and they say right you're gonna play a pair of drug dealers but basically the way to really look at this is you are fucking demons come to earth imbued with the raw elemental power of evil and um, you just you know play appropriately, and they yeah. just I think they just fucking went for it. I mean, just I saw, each other shrugs and went, "It's a paycheck." And I saw it. this film. I saw this film like back in the day, and literally the only thing I remember is the scene where he buys a gun from Eli Dingle. That was like the <laughs> only fucking bit I remembered of the whole film. The rest of it just didn't make an impression at all. But like I remembered, I remembered fucking yeah. this bit with the air. Also, it cannot be overstated again. Just like how grotty and gross and brown and just like again no context just these people are savages and the way that you know that they are savages is not because they've got like facial tattoos and scars is because essentially there's like 
what I'm going to generously term as an 18-year-old girl who just sort of moans on the couch occasionally. Yeah, having uh, heroin overdose, yeah. Where yeah. overdosing yeah, I mean, on heroin after, like, clearly being... Well, I mean, there's, like, they're the playing a fucking, like, sex tape of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he it turns was up, but just... I like, mean, this is... They live, is, yeah. they live in is, a shed full of weed plants. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the part I was going to come to, right? It's, like, these hardcore drug dealers, right? And as everyone knows, you become a drug dealer so you can live in squalor, right? So you can live <laughs> in the shed with all of the fucking drugs in case the police raid. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. how how they spent all the money on the Land Rover? <laughs> this is the thing. It's like, it, what what are they growing? And it's the devil's lettuce, right? Yeah. That, that's it. It's, it's fucking it's huge, Mary, sweet huge Mary Jane for Lucifer's crest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And uh, you know, so they've, they've got this girl on the couch who is clearly overdosing on heroin. Who they've been and is almost cert- like she's minor coded. Let's be real, Rob. Right? Yeah. Regardless of what age she actually is meant to be, they code her minor in the film. Yeah. And that set up from earlier makes it clear that you know, I mean, so they you know, and they're making pornographic films with her without her consent. It's sort of implied, and yeah, and it's just it's doesn't one of them shoot her up? Did I yeah. miss that? They literally, yeah. Uh, so the, the way the way the she's, scene she the... takes the needle out of her arm and shoots up shoots himself up. Oh god, yeah. Okay, I just yeah. remember kind of feeling hor- like really gross. Not oh, at the imagery, it's... but just at the. Film I mean, it is literally this, like you know? the worst. Cons- like it is a Daily Mail colonist idea of what a drug dealer's den looks yeah. like because mm-hmm. everything is so contrived in that way of like you know they're literally playing uh, a video in the background of you know this guy like you know presumably raping this uh, this poor girl. And it's like, what, who, what, what planet are, are you on in which this is a place that somebody, like an actual human being, fucking lives, and not like this yeah. demonic entity that will ply you with uh, drugs, guns, and uh, apparently the like fifty quid to have a go on this passed out, overdosing girl on a sofa. Yeah, but like, um, fucking Eli Dingle like shows him a bunch of different guns while while like fucking stretches like uh, shooting up on the in the armchair. Which, by and the he... way, I want to say, I thought the, the 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 scene, the bit of the scene where he's like showing him the guns, I thought that was actually quite good. Like mm-hmm. it, it sounded like you know it was quite believable. It's a guy who doesn't really know guns that well, but he knows these guns well enough to sort of describe them to someone else who wants to buy them. I was like, yeah. yeah, that's quite quite good in a little vacuum of itself. Oh, like like I say, like fucking, do you know what I mean? Both of those guys deserve better than this fucking film, oh yeah frankly yeah. they're both like they're both really good actors and this is like fucking this is beneath them quite frankly so the the uh, like stretch fires a fucking gun like just for the hell of it and then uses the same gun to like smoke like Weed, uses yeah. it as a bong yeah and like um so fucking harry brown like seizes his opportunity and stabs Eli Dingle with his like marine knife that he fucking got out of a, the box. Yeah, the problem problem he has though is that the DPI on his mouse is on about a hundred, so he takes oh, about yeah. five years yeah. to turn around. His fucking it's so it's so funny because he like he stabs he stabs him in the hand and then grabs quite quickly the, grabs the loaded gun off the table. And like, meanwhile, fucking like, you know, the the guy from Mission Impossible is already out of the chair and across the room, and Harry just turns and shoots at the chair, and it's like, what the fuck, like, do you know what I mean? It's like a satellite delay on his reflexes, <laughs> and they, they just and, and apparently they just they just went, yeah, that's good enough. We don't need to do a second take of that. It looked like dog shit. It'll do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so fucking the guy, the guy like. Do you know what I mean? Comes back from the two like two villages over where he dodged away from Harry's fucking like gunshot. And like aims the fucking gun that he was smoking through a moment earlier, and then it it doesn't fire because it doesn't have any bullets yeah, in it. Of course, it doesn't fucking, fucking fire. Pipe like, do you know yeah. what I mean? So Harry like opens up on the guy as he runs away, and then in what is my favorite moment of the fucking film, stands over the guy as he dies amongst his weed plants, telling him about how the time he had an onion on his belt and you couldn't get like <laughs> white onions because of the war. Do you know what I mean? He just goes on for fucking ages. And it's like, what the fuck, man? There was... Tell them about how someone got killed by a sniper in Northern Ireland, and it's like, is well, this really the time sad. for this? Yeah. Is this there really the... The... You've just, there was... There's just been yeah. a bunch of gunfire in what everyone locally must know is the drug den, and you're standing there telling this guy about how Nichols used to have pictures of yeah, bumblebees but... on there. There was a good... Mic- <laughs> 
<laughs> there was a good Michael Caine moment in there, though, where he goes, you failed to maintain your weapon, sir. Which, is, which I quite enjoyed, but like... <laughs> It's like it's a, it's, you know, it's it's a riff on the whole no-go area thing, right? You know, the police are just tangentially related to this place at best. So, of course, he's just gonna stand there and monologue. Yeah. So anyway, when he's when he's done fucking like telling the guy about how he used to bust strikes for like fucking <laughs> for the union or whatever, yeah, he, uh, he goes and gets the 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 dying girl because it's an emergency. Obviously, it's a medical emergency. So he stands there for fucking ages, like telling this guy's life story as he bleeds to death. Then shoots him. Then like swipes the girl and like fucking takes off in the Range Rover, drives After to the hospital. After burning the place down. Yeah. Oh yeah, burns the place down as well because you know he's in a hurry. Um, <laughs> drives drives into the hospital and like just like breaks the horn on the Range Rover and runs off with a bag of money that he found and the guns. <laughs> oh, and, the, and the guns, guns yeah. obviously. Yeah. He's just yeah. not capable of getting to the hospital quickly. It's just completely antithetical to his character. <laughs> what I love is the fucking double standards here. When the kids on the estate, for a laugh, burn down and out the home of his mate, that's a crime. But when Harry Brown fucking does it to the when, drug den, yeah, when drug Harry dealers, Brown does an arson on an up up and coming local business establishment, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, double standards, I say. Yeah, so then he like fucking hides the guns, hides the guns and the money at his um under the floorboards at his mate. And the police are just baffled by like who would have who would have killed the drug dealers and then taken the girl to the hospital. Um so they just sort of like ineffectually rattle on for a bit just to show you how shit they are at their jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no no, before he does that, he goes around and does a bunch of good deeds because like he takes like loads of fucking money out of that bag. And after he's like stuffed a wad of it into that young girl's fucking bra, which like, okay, we'll just fucking gloss over that. Um, before putting her into the hospital, he then like goes to a church and just like puts hundreds of wads of like five pound notes oh, yeah. into the fucking collection <laughs> box right. because he's an upstanding citizen. You see, I will say at this mm. point, well, you know a... what I mean. Were there were there's originals and like fucking like you know what I mean? Baggy Y fronts aren't that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it is at this point. I will say that I started like doing little skips because I I I I I will. I found it fucking <laughs> physically difficult to watch this movie. It is, it, I, it's yeah, really hard to describe most, how fucking you know, gross this movie is. It's so easy to skip through. It's so easy that we actually missed out a section of the plot yeah, when we were kind of summarizing because I don't, don't care. <laughs> All right, okay, fine. Yeah. No, 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 was that when? He, was that when he? Um, he's like walking home from the pub because he accidentally like fucking dropped gets... his money on the bar. Yeah. This is kind of important. He drops his money on the bar, a local lowlife sees it, and he's getting drunk after Len's funeral, his, his mate's funeral, the non-smate's funeral. Um, <laughs> and, like, the local lowlife sees it, and following home, the local lowlife, like, grabs him well, at the, knife point and turning to rob him. The implication, like, the way I took that scene was that he got drunk, like, sort of on purpose, and then, like, ambled home, and I felt like it was, like, he... I don't know, I don't know I, whether just the way it was shot. As well. It felt like he was <clears> looking for... Someone to try Maybe. and mug him. I thought right. that as well. what it felt but, like. But he was also walking and well staggering home pissed after he'd fucking like done mad marine shit and turned the knife round on the guy when he went to stab him. Um like so he was yes. still pissed. Yeah. It was so, just his fucking programming kicked in. Yeah, yeah, my my reading on this is that what happens is it's not so much that he makes the decision, oh I'm just gonna go tool up and like do crimes. What basically happens is it's it's He's put in an unwinnable situation and he snaps, sort of thing. And, you know, that that's it. It's like he's now given license to go what's, on his tail. Yeah, what, what's yeah. happened is he's found himself in a, in, in a British city. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's filled with guns and people mm-hmm. he doesn't like. And then he's just had a flashback to when he was deployed to fucking Northern Ireland. And that's why he's just mm-hmm. murdered a civilian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well... Yeah, but I mean, it's one of the guys. It's one of the guys who killed his mate as well, though. Um, yeah. it's uh, it's Munch from Two Pints of Lager and a Pack of Chips. <laughs> 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 anyway, oh can we just move on to like where we are in the plot? Because the next bit, like, yeah, he's like, um, watching the world's worst drug dealers who don't actually seem to want to be selling yeah. people drugs. Yeah, they're like, they're like fucking yeah. slapping some guy around who's trying to buy drugs off them. Hello, yeah, yeah, I'd like some drugs, please. You prick, you trying to buy drugs from us? And he's like, yeah, and then <laughs> it just gets a shit kicked out of him. 
Yeah, but anyway, so like the the next thing he observes is like a meeting between uh, uh, the unhinged youth from the crime scene investigation and like Big Baz. And Big Baz is angry because Big Baz doesn't have his money yet. So Big Baz yells to yet another youth named Marky um, and they go off in the car yeah, the one together. That, the one that, the one that like was mentioned to have suffered abuse. Uh, to have suffered abuse, and it is yes, it, at this point like I, it's so fucking gross. They're in the car, and like he's the guy who's said I was sexually abused is like giving Baz a blowjob in the car. And then as, as soon as that's done, and then there's a handover of what I believe is either money or drugs. It's hard to tell. Um, the uh, Baz's head explodes. Yeah, because Harry Brown, who, then, remember, cannot walk quickly to a hospital. Managed to follow a vehicle to an abandoned yeah, area. Yeah, managed to teleport. Yeah, yeah, yes. managed to teleport into some other fucking park. And then we get what I think. I'm not sure whether it's the grossest scene, but yeah. essentially you get a scene out of 24 season five or six. Do you know where... what? The thing, <laughs> the thing that I, the thing that I really took from this was this is this is Harry going fully back to his. Um, Deploy, Northern yeah. Ireland <laughs> experience, yeah, and it re- it was really at this sort that, like you say, Rob, like this is probably like the like, the, like in a film rife with just like horrendous scenes. This one is actually awful because it just shows you how much of a fucking monster Harry Brown himself actually is, and you still get us, you still get the you know sensation of you're meant to be rooting for this guy because yeah. he, he's just mm-hmm. killed the like uh, the it's, guy it... who sexually assaulted Marky and. It's good that he's like well, what the th- he's justified in the things that he's doing because his friend was killed, right? So who can say if he's good or not? <laughs> Essentially, there's a bit you get a bit where there's it turns out there's a video of um, Walter Frey being stabbed and pissed on, of course, mm-hmm. and now um, what's his face uh, Harry Kane knows who. <laughs> like the rest of the bad guys are and then the next scene we get again it's something out of fucking 24 we go to Chekhov's underpass it's and... um it's actually it's actually more like fucking Liam Neeson and Taken I think oh, yeah it really is yeah. like genuinely yeah um but yeah so he turns up at the underpass with with Marky on a fucking leash and yeah. uses him as a human shield in a gunfight with like fucking uh plan B and the other Fucking the other, the other remaining member of the, the crew, Joyce. Who, who, yeah. by the way, the two of them are busy like making out with girls in the underpass for because that's what fully yeah. grown men in their like mid to late twenties do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> but yeah, so like a gunfight breaks out, and then um, like the fucking, I think, I think everyone gets shot except for. Uh, Except for plan B. Harry and Harry and Plan B, yeah. Plan yep, B yeah. flees. Harry chases him, but then has like a fucking emphysema attack on the, yeah. on the like fucking canal side. Yeah. Tosses yeah, yeah. his gun, tosses his gun into the water, and then wakes up in the hospital. <laughs> which, which, by the way, I thought was great. So, oh, so he does know to hide the weapon of <laughs> of the crime. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the police, the police turn up in like the hospital to fucking question him about whether he like fucking saw anything suspicious before he collapsed and uh and like fucking detective inspector sad eyes like sniffs his coat and realizes he it was him what done all the fucking shootings but no one will believe her because her, her boss is like fucking uh sir incel from game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> And he's 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 too out of touch, and he he wants to like fucking dress up, like he wants to do riot cosplay. So he like dismisses her concerns that that Harry Brown might be on an octogenarian rampage, <laughs> and like fucking says they're just gonna go and like smash everyone's doors in on the estate and like fucking tear gas some people. And she just she takes it with like the fucking stoicism we've come to expect from her. Quite frankly, <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then and then. <laughs> can only be described as all hell breaks loose yeah i mean i thought this was like maybe the only point of which there is some social commentary because like the the police invades the estate in force i think that's the only way to describe that scene yeah um Mm -hmm. and it just shows that like a the police are cowards and b that you know of course if you 
you know, much like latter era Iraq, if you invade a place, people tend to get grumpy at you. And, you know, it doesn't go so well for the invaders. So, like... Uh, yeah, it's, it's, kind, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because, like... Um, do you know what I mean? The idea that there could be a riot somewhere in London and they wouldn't immediately have, like, fucking attack helicopters on the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit yeah. far-fetched. But, but yeah, like, the riot breaks out and it's like every, everyone on the estate just turns out to, like, to just do their fucking, like, feral shit. You know what I mean? But at it's the funny, same actually, time, just, like, to, fucking... just to note that, this is two years before the actual London riots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, at the true, same time, um, Detective Depression and fucking, like... <laughs> fucking detective sergeant knobhead are in the office and she talks he has a bit of a strop but then like decides to fucking follow up on her um on her like fucking octogenarian like fucking murder spree i do i theory. felt like i felt like um detective cunt was uh quite quite instructive here because i felt like he, he feels like the most sort of like, like the most almost real cop. Al- yeah, yeah. Li- literally. Yeah, because he's like, because yeah. uh, he like, says, like, all... "Oh, what if he is? If he is like fucking killing them, then he's doing us a fucking favor." Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and then the, very, the very lads, fucking the reluctantly, dad, the guy's dad was a cunt, and he's a cunt, and eventually he'll have he's going to have lots kids. of cunt kids. Yeah, which yeah. was which was very uh, that uh, <laughs> struck a chord somewhat. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then very, very like, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> like resignedly grabs his coat to go and yeah. actually do cop shit, and they go they go and drive into the middle of an ongoing riot. Yeah, and someone throws paint <laughs> over the windscreen, and they crash and get like t-boned by. Who and they get like get like tactically assaulted by like um, well, outside so, traps. It's so weird, <laughs> it's so weird because it looks it looks like a fucking Tom Clancy organized strike with the like cars <laughs> ramming into them at all angles, yeah, but everyone yeah. flees immediately. So I'm led to believe it was just an it was just an accident. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The only thing is messed yeah, up. I mean, yeah, it does look like Rain- does look like Rainbow Six like got involved for a brief moment there. You know what I mean? But uh... <laughs> they left all their tactical gear at home. They just had the cars. But the two of them are in the car and like they're fucking they're both bleeding and injured, and like Harry Brown turns up and saves them, and he takes them to the pub because it's like the one like safe place on the estate, and um, when they're in the pub, the like the fucking landlord disappears. And then, like, uh, he's sitting there with, like, the policewoman, and she sees the gun in his waistband and says, it's not Northern Ireland, you know, Harry. And then Harry Brown says, up the raw, because he says, like, no, it's not, because the people in Northern Ireland, they had a cause. Yeah, they they yeah, were fighting this. for something yeah, they believed yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, deal. Um, yeah, I thought, it... I thought that was, like, an interesting moment where it's like, okay, so, like, the... <laughs> yeah, so the the IRA, yeah, they they're justified in their like yeah. struggle for so, struggle for justice and freedom. But at like this point, these... <laughs> at this point in the film, your Daily Mail viewer is too into the guy, and you need something to make him not as likable. Otherwise, they're going to go out and actually commit <laughs> crimes themselves. Well, I mean, it's it's very it's it's very much a vibe of oh, do you remember when uh, well when you know terrorists used to be cool? Like that's sort of the vibe that I got. Yeah, so the policewoman reveals that, like, Sid, the kindly barman, is actually, like, the fucking, like, uh, is actually the tearaway kid's uncle. Yep. And mm. Harry Harry goes down to, like, the basement of the pub where the fucking, the uncle is, like, with the kid. But then he has, like, an emphysema attack and gets disarmed and beaten up. Oh, yeah, it should be it should be said that um after his previous emphysema attack, he was in hospital and then just walked out of hospital because he was yeah. determined to get his vengeance. Yeah. So then, so, like, you know, yeah. you have this dramatic bit where, like, they kill, they kill detective, like, fucking, like, miser- miserable prick. Yeah, because because Liam Liam Cunningham drags Harry up from the basement, uh, having disarmed him because he's too old to stand up, etc. Yeah, uh, throws him on the floor, gives him a few kicks for good measure, and while Harry is like limp on the floor, um, Plan B is trying to throttle um, uh, the the detective woman. Yeah. Harry pulls the revolver that he hasn't used yet on his, like, fucking murder spree because, like, you know, the old guns are the best, you see. <laughs> and he, like, fucking, uh, he shoots plan B and then fucking Liam Cunningham's about to shoot him when, like, police snipers put the little fucking, like, laser pens on him. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Harry Harry goads him into trying to shoot him and the, and the police, like, fucking light him up. Yeah, as soon as and he then, moves uh, it, yeah. Yeah, and then we cut to, like, the... 
the fucking incel guy from Game of Thrones giving a speech about how successful his fucking police like riot yeah. was or some mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. The press conference. Yeah. Uh, point of and note, then... by the way, um, this is set in two thousand and nine. Keir Starmer was the um, head of the <laughs> head of the Crown Prosecution <laughs> Service. <at> the <laughs> Checks out. Yeah. Suddenly, it all makes sense. <laughs> had his had his hands full pardoning Jimmy Savile. Though, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah and yeah, then so no. the final the final scene of the movie is harry walking like somewhere and then he decides he will cut through chekhov's o- o- underpass at last i, I do what well, i do find uh funny like the, so like the supposition at the end of the film is that having um murdered all of the gangsters essentially uh crime and everything is down yeah, I think I think like the my final word on this is probably that we found we managed to find the one film that would be better if Guy Ritchie had directed it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. There is this. This film is so like. I mean, yeah. I think Rob said it earlier. This film is so fucking bleak. There's like not a single moment of like intentional comedy in it whatsoever. It's, it's not even. It's not even bleak. It's vile. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. Like it's not. It's it's not like you look at it and go, oh, this is a harrowing look into some version of reality. It's not. No, it's, it's like, just grim. This is a yeah. This is a grime covered carnival fun mirror, twisting everyone in it into demons, essentially, right? And ironically, untwisting the actual demon into a you know an old pensioner who you can relate to and go, yeah, no, they're pretty cool. And uh, it's very it's very much a film to go see with your da, which I unfortunately did. And, <laughs> Condolences. Yeah, like you know. Uh, you know, um, what he's, he actually said afterwards, to his credit, he did say something funny, which was, oh, I didn't re- realize Michael Caine could be Batman. Um, but he was just like, he he was, he thought it was fine. It's not even that like he thought it was like brilliant or anything. He just thought it was like, yeah, that's all okay. That is that there was an accurate representation of what a, a an action movie should be to reflect a real world. Just kind of that level of propaganda, you know. It's definitely, and that's the scary part. It's definitely got an element of that kind of like, you know, mid to late two thousands realism to it. Well, there is only the grimy world, and th- th- there are things that can happen, but yeah. none of them are possible because they rely on people who are larger than life. They rely on people who yeah. don't exist and can never exist because you two are um, subsumed and and downtrodden by that same state that caused all of this. And it's just shit. Yeah. It is bleak and and in a very specific and like very real, hyper real kind of way that you just can't quite escape. It's, it's like. It's like third way realism, um, except like stretched in a very bizarre, like you know, it's it is it's very much a child of a Tony Blair mm. era, mm-hmm. kind of coming into. I mean, its that own. that sort of runs through like from the start to the end. Like, I mean, just at its core, it's about like Northern Ireland, <laughs> which, mm-hmm. like, I mean, if you if you uh, really want to yeah. if you really want to push hard on it, if you watch the film right and you sit there and you get yourself into that fucking Blairite mindset. And you look at this and you go, well, I know how we can solve that underpass problem. We'll just get that fucking alarm that only annoys children. Or, well, there's a lot of kids hanging about there. The police could do more if there were more cameras around or shit like that. And it very much looks like a failed state in the way that if only Blairism was here to save us. If only we had yeah. more surveillance. If ringing only we had the, more ringing the company that makes Ringing the company that makes the mosquito and asking them if they can do a version that works on people in their mid-twenties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that, that 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 was Harry Brown. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> I did not. Uh, no, and, well, we, no. the next time we do and a it, cultural committee, I will not suggest a film. Well, uh, GQ gave it five out of five stars, calling it truly awesome. Mm. So Empire gave it. Empire magazine gave it like four out of five, wasn't it? Yeah. They gave it something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I like, can very much believe it. I've fucking the mind boggles. I can very much believe that Empire Magazine thought it was only eighty percent as good as Attack of the Clones. (laughs) 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 Yeah, here's um, here's Empire. Um, it says, "I hate youths. It's coarse, rough, and irritating, and they get everywhere." Uh, Four out of five stars. Right, do we want think, do we want to fucking stumble towards a conclusion here? Yeah, shall we end this yeah, right think, here? Movie, movie bad. Uh, shall I tell don't you? Right, yeah, I, I have a conclusion. I have a conclusion. The conclusion is that exposure to these 
like horrible fash properties is starting to make me a connoisseur of them to the point that I'm actually going, oh, Gran Torino's not that bad in comparison. <laughs> fuck. So, like, you know, fuck you, David. Thank no, you. No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm glad I can continue yeah. the work on the hierarchy of fascism. Yeah. <laughs> and spoiler alert, it's all bad. Yeah. Yeah. And just as a treat for next week to punish you all for putting me through this, we're doing more finance shit. Yay! Look forward <laughs> to that. I'll, I'll, I'll bring a pillow on a book. <laughs> <laughs> the novelization of Harry Brown. <laughs> so we will have the stream running on Thursdays only for the next few weeks. Uh, Mondays will return, but um, they'll be intermittent until then, so just keep a wee eye on the Twitter. Uh, you can find us there at twitch.tv forward slash praxiscast that's about half seven on occasional Mondays and every Thursday night and we will also um, have more bonus episodes coming out for you so that's patreon.com forward slash praxiscast one new bonus episode a month um, eventually as and when James is able to find the time um, we will have early release there of Black Thoughts episodes as well and yeah Plenty to plenty to see, plenty to do. Um, you get to join on the Discord as well with that. Uh, five pound a month. That's all. Yeah, and the di- and the Discord is great. You get to uh, <laughs> you get to experience bonus clips and like my fucking wildly varying taste in music. Yeah, you can literally <laughs> at me for all the things that I say that make you mad. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and shout out actually that our patrons have come on and, and side you know participating in the Discord. It's becoming its own really good little community there. Of like solid pro left people, so yeah. come join them. Yeah, to turn Sorry. up and ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah. See you next week. Yep. Ta-ra. Cheers, Ta-ra. everybody. Bye. Bye.